to help bolster attendance numbers in its still somewhat undercooked Heisei series, Toho returns to the well of the tried and the true. We're looking at Showa-era antics in order to up the ante and the spectacle, but will the specter of Godzilla's past be enough to save the versus format? Find out on this week's episode. This is Kaiju versus History, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your legally distinct from Terminator Android Assassin, Miles. And joining me is a replacement robotic head in the form of my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, how you doing this week, buddy? I'm the middle head. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing very well. Very well indeed. I'm excited to be here in like the almost the middle of some Heisei Godzilla action. And a, lot, yeah. a movie a lot of folks really enjoy, Miles. Really like I, the <sighs> King Ghidorah getting back to more of the Showa era antics and also a classic villain. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this was a choice since, you know, Biolante didn't set the world on fire at the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I I would have done the same thing. I I remember this movie like. I don't know if HBO released this one as well when it came to the States, but I feel like I feel like I saw this this plot a lot as a kid. Right. And I mean, I know I know that there was a DVD version that came out in 98, but I can't I can't remember if HBO released this one because I, I certainly have in, in previous time. This is a, a movie that I feel like I've seen quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And and even when I was watching it this time, uh, it's been a while since I watched it. And so there was a couple little like, oh, I, I, I thought this was a, a much different plot than it was. And of course, we are looking at, as Patrick said, the third film in the Heisei series released on December 14th, 1991, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Before we get started, Patrick, just go ahead and tell us what, if anything, is in a title. Well, we're continuing the versus titles of uh, Godzilla front and center and then versus another creature. No, no one's taking top billing away from the big G. Not anymore, Miles. He's the he's the 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 top of the bill, <laughs> as it were. Um, yeah, well, I mean, th- there is the popularity aspect of. One of the features that has become, I don't want to say a trope, but kind of a, th- a thing where it's like you typically the f- the, the first billing is you'll either either a more popular monster or the good guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this one's interesting because Godzilla gets to be all of the above in this one. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely takes the place of the 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 good guy here for sure. Even though, like they still Until he doesn't <laughs> uh, in the series, they still keep a lot of his teeth uh, in, in the Heisei series. He, he doesn't become like a a cuddly friend to any small children. Uh, at, at most, he gains the psychic link, of course. Well, obviously, uh, because he has someone else becoming a friend to children <laughs> in, in this soon. In this in this franchise, but yeah, you're you're right. This this series kind of course corrects for the franchise. 
while making Godzilla, you know, a reluctant hero or an anti-hero, but always maintaining, hey, Godzilla, yeah, isn't your bud. You know, this 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 mm-hmm. is thing is a force of nature. And if it feels like it will turn on the city at any given point. Yeah, I and, like how, how quickly they go from celebrating <laughs> King Ghidorah going down to be like, oh, no, now Godzilla, there's no one to stop Godzilla. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is interesting because this this plays a lot. This movie plays a lot more with the fact that their uh, Godzilla's out of control behavior is a result of the radiation. This this mm-hmm. delivers that a lot more. And we get our first full like official origin of Godzilla because in yeah. in prior films we've gotten theories of like oh and been told oh this th- he was this and then got woken up the end <laughs> here we get an actual we 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 get Godzilla begins yeah yeah this is a kind of an origin story they use time travel pretty well but let me, let me... Uh, I, um, <laughs> they, they use they, time travel. they do but you don't realize that until the very end and it's extremely frustrating this script is extremely frustrating oh uh, so the original japanese title is god gojira tai kingu gidora and of course that just translates to what we call it Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. It has some subtitles across the world, Germany. It's Godzilla Duel der Megasaur. <laughs> Duel of the Megasaurians, which is an interesting interesting word. Hey, at least they dropped the Frankenstein nonsense. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no no more in Germany. Hong Kong title the Chinese translates to War Dragon Godzilla and in different places around the world it's either if it's not versus it's Godzilla against King Ghidorah in its direct yeah, so translation it stays pretty pretty on on the nose here yeah yeah um, i'm i'm disappointed that it doesn't have wacky titles across the world but i'm also happy that Godzilla is now popular enough that he's overriding <laughs> people's yeah. bad ideas to to change the title <laughs> Well, that yeah. and like, I mean, I, I, I think when you have just blank versus blank, it's like that. No fuss, no muss. I know what I'm going to see blank. in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, it is interesting that Ghidorah gets upgraded to king in, in the title here. Was he referred to as King Ghidorah in the Showa era at all? Yes, but he was not. Not in titles, maybe, is but not thinking. in title. Well, at least not in his title. It was Dieter the Three-Headed Monster. Yeah. But uh, I do remember uh, him being referred to as King Dieter at least once, who if gave I'm him, not mistaken. Who, who gave him three crowns? I, I feel like when Invasion of the Astro Monster, he's called King Dieter. Makes sense. Makes sense. I feel like that. So someone can correct me if they're if if I'm wrong. So one one thing in in the notes that I found interesting, talking about the historical context of this film, is. Ishiro Honda seemed less than pleased about this movie. Well, there is a, a bit of controversy in in this movie in the depiction of Americans in the film. And I'm not talking, controversial to whom <laughs> we're not talking about Steven Spielberg's father being depicted in a film. But it, this one has U.S. soldiers fighting the Japanese in World War II, which, you know, I, I guess we really haven't seen before. And Ashira Honda was kind of upset about that. There was some because there might have been some economic tensions between Japan and the U.S. or the West. Sure. Th- there were some 
news stories that ran about this film's release when it came out. I don't think it was that widespread, but it shows in the film, spoiler warning, uh, Godzilla Saurus killing a bunch of U.S. soldiers, World War II soldiers. Well, in the in the Gilbert and, and Marshall Islands. Uh, yeah, on, so on Lagos, Lagos Island is where it takes. I think that's the dumbest thing to be upset about. First of all, g- g- calm down more than anything else. Second of <laughs> all, it's World War II. These two countries are at war, and we have already been set up by the time that we get, go back in the past, and we'll, we'll get there, that that this dinosaur had <laughs> saved this, this small platoon of Japanese soldiers. Well, Yes. If they saved a, a platoon of Japanese soldiers in World War II, who do you think they saved it saved it from? Yeah. Yeah. And in that way, they really tie together the ideas of Japan and Godzilla from his his I mean, well, from his original origin, really, in the 1954 Gojira movie as he was representative of nuclear bombs that the U.S. dropped, even though they didn't really mention that in the film they talk about the nuclear testing that they're doing but he's supposed to represent you know kind of the 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 scarred after effects of burn victims from from the atomic blast yeah i mean he is he is still emblematic of of japan but so in this movie they take it kind of a step further to his origin back to his origin is yeah he he was there and you know, oddly enough, did help out the Japanese soldiers who, I mean, they're they're not really good people either. I guess they're not really. I don't no, think they're it is war. They are yeah. soldiers. There is no good about it, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're all adults here. Let's <laughs> let's let's stop acting like this is anything other than what it is and stop being children i so I, I i hate stuff like this because it's like this movie is not anti-american and and the that, that the director had to say that is is so silly yeah director uh kazuki amori uh did put out a statement after there was some some hubbub and i don't think this movie played in the u.s and maybe that was a, a contributing factor but he was quoted as saying i'm not an anti-american i just wanted to make a movie with american army people in it i love american war movies but looking at all the ones I've watched over the years, Americans never lose. So I thought they should lose at least once. Yeah, that's that's, that's fair. It, I mean, it's it just it's, it's it's so silly. Yeah. Um, well, what's so funny is a lot of Godzilla fans kind of after the fact do take umbrage with the director of Mori's kind of infatuation with American cinema because there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of let's call them homages in this film and his other well, films to, to uh, very popular American films. I'm, I'm surprised the time machine in this movie wasn't a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, science fiction's always been a, a, a big thing over there. And I mean, especially because the way cyberpunk took off in Japan and uh, one of the movies we're talking about is Terminator and Terminator is essentially a a high a, a high budget contr- uh, contributor to that. Why why would he not? You know, mm-hmm. there used to be a joke when I was a kid that these movies always felt that like they were ten years behind in special effects in, in in respect to the Japanese movie industry as a whole because a lot of times it looked like they weren't able to pull off current effects. It's the, the fact of the matter was they just didn't have the money and. Yeah. 
there are, I mean, if you told me this movie was made in 1984, I wouldn't bat an eye because some, some of the special effects at, or shortcuts that are used are almost like TV shortcuts. And some of the, the back screening stuff look uh, really towards the beginning of the film with King Ghidorah laying waste looks like it came from 1978. Well, and we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the, the technical aspects for the film, but there's a reason so much of the kaiju action in the previous two Heisei Godzilla films was filmed at night. And it's because it covers up, I feel like, a lot of the the feeling that it, they're just on a sound set, you know, somewhere. That yeah, but that's never been a problem for me with this set. franchise. I mean, this, well, the, no, but it, it really does make me go back and think about those 70s Showa era films when they have the the first major conflict between Godzilla and King Ghidorah is during the day. And it kind of looks like, it, like you said, maybe out of the 80s, maybe just well, jumping back like 10 years. The, the thing was both the 84 return and Violante both felt like contemporary science fiction films, whereas this mm-hmm. one just kind of feels, I mean, yes, it's going for, for more of a show of feel, bringing yep. back a classic monster. Um, it, honestly, something that you had mentioned when we were on our, our friends at the Super Bracket Bros, mm-hmm. the heads actually felt a lot more in sync than they did in the Showa era. It, they felt less like they were three heads right. on puppet strings, and there there is a, a flow to how they're moving, and there there seems to be a lot more harmony in the actual puppetry of King Ghidorah. I, I would agree to that. And and that's one of the reasons that I do. I mean, I, I prefer this Ghidorah and the the technical work. Besides some of the design changes they made to the heads, prefer this one to the, the Showa era versions. But um, yeah, they, but- they made them look a little a little meaner. I mean, they, I mean, every monster in, in the, the Heisei era looks a little meaner. But despite the fact that it looks a little meaner. This one does feel, I mean, and purposefully so, toned down in terms of the actual maturity, not maturity, but the tone of the film compared to The Return or Bialante. Yeah, yeah. There's no dead daughters being resurrected by by G-cells <laughs> in, in this movie. Uh, yeah, you have some pretty fun characters, I, I would say, in, in this movie to, to kind of get you in, involved in, in the plot a little bit more. Kinchiro uh, Terasawa is like the 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 writer the the sci-fi uh, or the mystery writer in the movie who whose book is confirmed to be published in the future by the Futurians, which is yeah. A lot of fun. Well, we'll 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 get to that because I will yeah. say I really felt like that this movie suffers a problem that a lot of Showa era movies do suffer, and not a lot of them, but a lot of the early ones. In that there's. It feels like there's no real characters in this movie <laughs> outside of like Emmy. Yeah. Emmy Kano is the Futurian who I thought at first they were doing like, like a big love story between those two. Oh yeah. yeah. This one throws you a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> there's your real curveball. And at the end of the movie, she's like, Oh, by the way, I'm a I descendant. Love you, grandpa. <laughs> descendant of yours. I was like, Oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't remember so that. The, the entire movie, the, the writer protagonist and uh, one of, one of the people from the future, this girl named Emmy, they've been getting pretty chummy. And also they throw in the fact that he is kind of engaged to his boss, maybe. And that just kind of pops up out of nowhere. They, there, there is no chemistry with anybody, first of all, <laughs> but they, they, they seem to be kind of 
toying with the idea that, oh, there's there's a romantic playfulness between these two characters. And they code it that way until at the very end when she's going back to the future <laughs> and you think that she's about to say this like really like loving thing. It's like, oh, I always wanted to meet my great, 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 great grandfather. And you're just like, <laughs> what? She, I mean, I, I don't know. Were they that far in the future? I don't think they were. Yeah, right? they're like 2300. Okay, so, oh, yeah, because it's like Star Trek time. Yeah. I guess that would be like six or seven generations. <laughs> uh, um, oh, no, it says, yeah. tw- oh, it says 2204 is, is what I'm reading so it So uh, this being are. 1992, so yeah, it's a couple hundred years. It's not anything to sneeze at. And and Tomiyuki Tanaka did uh, talk about the the prior film uh, Godzilla versus Biollante that they they failed to make a story which could be fully enjoyed by children. It was too adult. So with the new film, we will make it more engaging for children. And somewhere Ishiro Honda is just pulling his hair out. It's like ah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, the thing is, outside of the the Lagos murder hall that they. They make it. It does feel like those old Showa sci-fi things. This one definitely feels the most kooky. You have these mysterious people from the future. Oh, we have a way to to get Godzilla, and it, ah, ha, ha, it was a trick the entire time. And we are going to give oh, a yeah, they, a, they a have... plot so convoluted. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, no, I need to uh, read the notes as I'm I'm watching the movie. I do enjoy the future. Futurians, they are a very fun throwback. Sure. Feel to the zillions. And of course, they have their own Terminator. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they do. They they do have uh their own Terminator. Uh, Wilson? Is that yes? Also played by actor Chuck Wilson, <laughs> which is uh I'm, I'm pretty- which is is wonderful. Um and then it's a weird name that I was just kind of thinking, oh, is he going to start, you know, oh, no. chasing Wilson, Dennis, Dennis the Menace? <laughs> Wilson is like the main Futurian. Uh, oh, you're oh, right. Ro- yeah, Robert, M11 is the android. Robert Scott Field plays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how dare we uh, mix up our Futurians? Yeah. All these white people look the same. <laughs> if you look at the, oh man, the Wikizilla picture for the M11 is is just, it's so... It's so Terminator. It's got him. I mean, no, he's he's a hundred percent supposed to be the Terminator for sure. And this did this come out after T two? Must T two was ninety one or two. But I mean, it certainly came out after T two was ninety one. But it still would have come out, you know, after the first film, which is really what I think he's responding to. Because yeah, I don't know no, this. This came out in December and. T2 came out in July, so... I feel like... I feel like this movie might have been in the can by then, though, right? No, they're... they're. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go back and look at the production history in our notes, but they please, were very do. with a lot of these movies, like, late in the production cycle. Oh, I boy. mean, if... I mean, if they did, that, that I mean, that, that's cool. The, I, to to I love the Kingdom. idea of having a little Terminator in this. The execution of having a little Terminator in this is not great. Mm. Uh, the makeup effects are not impressive. And then when he does his run, I feel like I'm watching an episode of The Million Dollar Man. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it feels silly. like a 70s. And again, if this is supposed to be a throwback thing, if that's a purposeful thing, that's one thing. I don't think it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I get this is the most 
I would say the most Showa feeling of the the Heisei movies. I, I think even the other ones that use classic monsters still don't feel as as old school as this. Yeah, I don't know. There a lot of versus space Godzilla feels very Showa to me as well. And yeah, but, I, but you got you got some you got some wild stuff in that movie. I gotta admit, for this film, really don't like the throwback. I, like I appreciate it, but I don't enjoy it because coming right off of versus by Alante, I'm just like, oh man, we're back to very corny Godzilla movies, very kind of silly Godzilla movies. Well, and again, part of that is this wackadoo script. This this is a script that feels like it's it's not even held together by duct tape. It's held together by masking tape. Mm-hmm. Like this this. This script is for me really rough. The it, it, it the, is also written by Kazuki Amori, the the director. So there there is a touch at the beginning where you think you're seeing the Futurians looking at the corpse of of King Ghidorah and and they're coming back to the the present to to stop that. What we find out later is that nope nope that's a bookend for Emmy trying to stop Godzilla. After he's been rejuiced and to to help out the Earth, because apparently at some point we do have a giant utopia, but one group thinks Japan's gotten too much influence or some nonsense. I don't understand the yeah, the no, global economics of J- this future. Japan kind of like takes over as the superpower in the world. So America and I think China and Russia get together. <laughs> I forget who they say to make this time travel plot and oh boy and they just trick emmy thinking that they're gonna stop pollution or something yeah or or she's not on board with the plan totally but they go back in time and i totally understand i guess i don't really understand no because <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense well th- their and, plan is and- to take godzilla out of the timeline which easy enough you know you just kill him before he turns into a giant monster when he's godzilla saurus well so but then they also introduce another monster by bringing back three little baby flying cat dragons <laughs> yeah so this is this is our first introduction to the the dorats and by having them in the place where godzilla was created they become king Ghidorah, which it's, is a terrible origin for one of the most evil creatures in yeah. kaiju we, history. We still don't quite understand. Were the are the Dorats aliens or they are they genetically, genetically engineered creatures? So I don't know if their origins are from space or not. They don't tell us because yeah, exactly this doesn't tell us anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just no. Get it's it's frustrating because and, the yeah. well. Also, they talk about how oh we 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 ported Godzilla away because he was injured. And then when they go to try to, like, use nuclear weapons to, like, resuscitate Godzilla, Godzilla's already up, and they th- make a throwaway line. Oh, well, there's nuclear waste around always, so he's he's always going to pop up. Didn't make any sense because they were looking at a, a Godzilla corpse, and all of a sudden, Godzilla's there. <laughs> the, 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 this, this, this script is an absolute mess. And well, like like I said, the the director slash writer uh, Kazuki Amori is a big fan of Western films. So, you know, they they took a look at, you know, what was what versus Biolante was up against in the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Back to the future. Part two. 
<laughs> so they, you know, they, they've got the time travel plots. They've got the, the, the Terminator plots kind of jammed in here. And <clears throat> I think the movie does suffer a little bit for lack of a, a focus. I think a, a very interesting, uh, like a whole subplot could have just been Godzilla's origin, you know, going back in time and, and seeing. Yeah, I, that, I, I that think happen. they I think they try to cram too much into this one. And by proxy, they make it feel a little bit like a cartoon. That said, let's talk a little bit about the, the technical aspect, because in terms of spectacle, this movie does outside of a couple of scenes really shine a lot. So, you know, I think the main thing that I want to point out is we finally have Akira Ifakube back doing the music for this and doing a great job uh, with the score because there are I love when he doesn't flat out do the theme. He does a little bit of a twist because, hey, that monster is not quite Godzilla, but you get kind of a a Mm -hmm. twist on the Godzilla theme. He he does some really good work here. I think it's actually some of his more interesting work in quite some time at this point. And it only gets better in the Heisei oh, yeah. era, by in my estimation. I, I feel like this one, he's just like getting back into the the swing of things. But the the next few movies, um, I think he does the music for the next three, no, next two uh, films. So uh, th- they, they are great that he does an amazing job. Oh, and he he also does versus Destroya, which is one of my favorites. Good one. So, I, like I said, I have some trouble with the superimposed screen when Ghidorah is attacking uh, the cities, which is too bad because mm-hmm. the model work in this movie is excellent. And when the monsters are actually fighting in the city or when Godzilla yes. is rampaging in the city, it looks incredible. And and this is why I don't pay too much attention to the daylight thing, because in daylight, this this fight rules. This fight looks amazing. Godzilla's rampage looks amazing. It's just there are certain tricks they were using at the beginning that looked grainy and didn't work. I don't know if they were using a different camera or or oh, what. There, there's some actually beside behind the scenes video taken of the day shots in the fights, and they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They were doing like kind of hovering camera work you know oh there's some uh, great angles yeah so very interesting stuff done when i talk about it looking about it it's specifically Ghidorah's rampage solo when he's causing terror it's grainy and it it looks like it's a superimposed on a screen that's showing it just doesn't look right to me but when there's action and when you see like active Models being destroyed by them by any monster, it looks incredible. I don't know what happened in the first act of this movie. I don't know if there was a, a bad camera or they just couldn't get that stuff right. But everything that in the in the second half of this movie looks phenomenal. Well, all the special effects for most of these Heisei films, uh, this one included, and the first few Mothra films um, were done by Koichi uh, Kawakita. And I forget if this was his first Heisei film or not as like the lead of uh, the special effects. I don't think he did. Oh, no, he did versus Bailante as well. And they're, they're, they gave themselves a lot of challenges, honestly, in this movie. And whenever you include these flying characters, the, <laughs> you open yourself up to a lot of headaches. But like you said, I really think that the pseudomation for King Ghidorah was amazing was was above and beyond anything we we saw in the showa era we're gonna get that translated even 
better into more wire work characters in the next Ace movie versus Mothra, which I think it's like pretty, pretty divine as far as Mothra movies goes. Mm-hmm. We, we mentioned a little bit the new King Ghidorah look. It's a it's a hairless dragon, which will now be kind of the classic King Ghidorah look, which I love it. Legendary bases theirs off of. And I think Ghidorah looks amazing in this movie. I think they do some really good work with the heads really kind of being distinct and doing different things. You have a great scene where like one head's wrapping around trying to constrict Godzilla and and bite on him while the others are snapping at him and and breathing lightning and stuff and then we get some new made-up power godzilla has to get them off we we get um i think a new suit actor for the series and in, in hurricane ryu hurricane which is like the best stuntman name yeah ever. You, you cannot make a better stuntman name yeah i'm, I'm sorry kenpachiro satsuma as a godzilla step aside um ryu hurricane not only does with this in the heisei series he's going to come back and do the larval batra which I need to see behind the scenes of him getting in that suit. <laughs> uh, he does baby Godzilla. My man. And uh, Godzilla. Well, Jr. I, I love Godzilla Jr. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of, my, one of my favorites. But yeah, these, these fights are pretty incredible. I think Godzilla certainly has a lot more personality in, in this one, mm-hmm. despite the kind of multiple personalities, the character himself does seem to have where it's like, okay, he's a hero. And then like, oh, regular Godzilla is fine. We we just want you to blip him out of existence so he wouldn't fight King Ghidorah. And then now you supercharge him and he's mega pissed off. I don't get the this <laughs> nonsense. And you have the, to go forward in time. Well, because you have this weird scene. There, there is a weird scene in this movie. So we have we've we've gotten this story that this one soldier who who has recalled the platoon's interaction with the dinosaur and speaks like this dinosaur was kind of like the spirit of Japan. And it seemed to have shared a bond with the dinosaur. So we see that character in the past. So we, it wasn't just a crazy man's story when the three characters go back to, to Lagos Island in, in 1945. Yeah. You're talking of uh, Shindo. The, yes. The, this is Shindo. Yes. Sa- so Saoki Shindo. So there is there's a moment in the present where Godzilla is just stomping around town, having a good time, laying waste to everything. Most of the city's been evacuated, except for Mr. Shindo, who was in his high rise office. And he has this he locks eyes with Godzilla. Yeah. And there's a weird moment where Godzilla seems to shed a tear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and- it, yeah, I had this weird ex- existential moment like, where I was thinking, is Godzilla trapped in his own body? Is he like the Hulk where he can't control himself? I I think you, you've locked on to something pretty interesting. And you've also brought up my favorite scene in the movie. Mike. Oh, it's a phenomenal scene. It is. It is. Maybe I was one of the best in the Heisei series. Yeah, I was wrapped. And then he he lays waste to this building. But that entire scene speaks so so many volumes yeah. for the character of Godzilla that I was just like, I was just kind of like, I kind of paused for a second. I was like, wait, I got to think about this for a minute. The first two thirds of this movie, I think are mostly silly and a little disappointing. And then it's you get cartoon. To, 
then you get to the end and stuff like this starts happening and you're like you sit up and you're like what (laughs) uh yeah so there's there's a lot of interpretations for for shindo's character for what godzilla represents in this scene is a very emotional send-off for for shindo to get killed i mean really obliterated by godzilla his but also his building which represents the wealth and the business that he's built up as the the head of what was a teo group which is like a you know expansion like a a giant japanese you know 401 or uh you know, yeah, top 500 I mean, business on, kind of building. on the surface level. Yeah, I am all for Godzilla just, just destroying corporations. There's that great <laughs> meme of Godzilla destroys the financial district because it makes the people happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a few interpretations. The, one of the main ones is that maybe Shindo thought Godzilla would spare him and kind of because they had this bond in World War II, he would recognize him. That's the look of a man who knows he's going to die. <laughs> but well, I, at first, he, maybe he doesn't think that. But yeah, there, there are some others that other people online that suggest that Shindu did know he was going to die and just wanted to see his friend one last time or was hoping that his friend would approve of his lifestyle, I guess, in some way, <laughs> like the, the life that he, no, he lived. No. And in that way, Godzilla represents like, you know, the ethics of Japan and and kind of there's a little bit of commentary on like, uh, I don't know, this is Paul nature. Beerhoven's Godzilla here. <laughs> well, the, the, the question is brought up in the movie itself, because in the future, Japan becomes in, in 200 years, the ultimate superpower because of kind of business practices. Like yeah, but also case. we don't know really what that is and they don't explain what that is. And yes. it's hard for me to put faith in that one. Well, but that that is part of what this movie is responding to is these kind of the the Japanese bubble economy and kind of the ambivalence of, you know, what it's doing, I guess, maybe to the rest of the world or to other parts of Japan. I I could definitely see some sort of economic commentary there for me. But that scene in particular, like especially when when the camera focuses on Godzilla, you see that tear fall and they've talked about how he is out of control, like he is literally out of control yeah and is japan in the same way you know is is that a representative of japan (laughs) well it makes you wonder is godzilla trapped in his own body and that that to Mm -hmm. me is like supremely interesting this one scene i was like okay yeah you may have wanted to make a movie for the kids but all of a sudden you have here's your like 10 second follow-up to godzilla versus bialante in terms of of maturity because like this this one scene is just we, we we could spend an entire episode talking about this one scene and what we think it represents. That, well, that's it, how interesting it is. Yeah, you talked about uh, the the tear and yeah, it's crazy the emotion that they get out of the animatronics. But how quickly it goes from like an anguished lament to a rage face where screonk. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, you can only the, the yeah the atomic blast. If, if he's trapped in his own body, maybe he can only poise himself for so long to all of a sudden it takes over and screonk boom yeah yeah because you know the godzilla source that we see is a pretty nice dinosaur <laughs> you know for the yeah. most part it's pretty pretty cool chill dude but not this godzilla and i mean you still yeah. have some shades on him and call him denver uh um, yeah at, at the end of the film godzilla has to be taken on by you know an old enemy mixed with like futuristic technology because he is 
the ultimate villain of of the the series and maybe maybe like you said he's not in full control we must destroy so well i mean the thing is i mean the series ends with the fact that he's not in control um yeah and we also we get that in versus mothra a little bit as well you know both mothra and batra got to take on godzilla in, in that movie and uh i guess it, i guess it continues on throughout the the heisei series I mean, it's an interesting take on Godzilla, but I also like they're being consistent into a degree with Godzilla's character where it's not all of a sudden, oh, he's he's our fluffy savior and he's our he's our bud. And don't get me wrong. I love when Godzilla's our bud. Like, that's <laughs> my favorite Godzilla. But at the same time, like, I do love this consistency. I love that we are getting this arc, this consistent arc. Like, it, it's even though it's doing something different, it is not separating himself from Return of Godzilla or Bialante. I like that this still is part of the series. And that that is really cool. And uh, the fights in this movie are really good. I will say the the fight later on versus Ghidorah and then even the, the Mecha Ghidorah fight. Great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I the, the movie goes up so many points in my personal enjoyment in that last third of the film. Oh, we, we didn't even mention that uh, Shindo is played by Yoshia Shuchaya, who was the Mysterians leader. He was the, the, the leader of the zillions and in invasion of Astro monster that this is though, probably one of the coolest things he yeah, did has come I, back I do, for this role. And, I do appreciate getting these Godzilla actors to come back during the yeah. era because it's, it's fun. Well, it's fun it's seeing them like, you know, the president of Japan or prime minister or whatever it is, or, you know, small roles like that. I really appreciate it. This one is a meaty role, though. This World War Two vet with a connection to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this is his. I mean, his character died. So I guess uh, this is his last role in a Godzilla main series film. But he also I don't think he uh, does he pop up in the Millennium Era at all? I think they maybe they wanted to get him in the legendary films. I think they no. I'm thinking of um, Takarada, I think. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think he he is in any other of the the kaiju films after that. It's too bad. He's a, he's a very good actor. And I will say this, despite any problems I have with the writing of the characters, I think everyone does an exceptional job in this movie uh, in terms of acting. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Um, Miles, we didn't mention, well, I guess I mentioned it briefly that um, when the the Futurians go back in time, the only two people that spot their ship are Americans uh, on board a, a naval vessel who one of them says, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to report this. Uh, you could just tell your son about it when he's born, Private Spielberg. <laughs> Oh no no he 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 says like lieutenant he he gives him like a, a promotion. <laughs> oh, is that what I'm supposed to? Get? Yeah, you're supposed to interpret like, hey, uh, you you keep quiet about this, commander. You know, uh, yeah, the, Arnold. Kind of I, thing. I I haven't seen the uh, what's what's the biopic movie that uh, Spielberg just did the oh the Fablemans Fablemans yeah oh phenomenal but film Arnold Spielberg did serve in World War II and and a lot of the stories that he told helped inspire his son to start making these, you know, war movies when he was a kid, which is mm-hmm. kind of funny, but the, the, the acting is so wooden in that scene. It oh, the, the acting, I mean, they, they just grabbed the nearest theater guys they could because <laughs> uh, they, they certainly didn't get military sounding fellows. Um, tell your son about it, Lieutenant Spielberg. <laughs> it's, it, it was hilarious. 
Uh, all, all the Americans in this movie are window dressing and are terrible. <laughs> Miles, do you have a favorite scene in the movie or anything that I mean, we talked work? about it. My favorite scene in the movie is is the the Shindo Godzilla scene. It's it's yeah. so good. It's it's and just and I love the... the fact that there's no there's no like oh this is this is what happens. I mean, because I'm being very vocal on what I oh, think yeah. happens, but that's just my interpretation of the film. You know, yeah. I. I think that scene is so it's, interesting. It's open, you know? <laughs> and, well, I mean, it's also like, you can make a movie for kids and still make powerful stuff. I mean, like, I understand that it's going to be a long time before any filmmaker, Japanese or American, understands that lesson. But, like, you can make a movie for everyone, and it doesn't have to be some, like, you know, quote-unquote kids movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that, that didn't be like a kids movie at all. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, the, all, the whole Lago scene is like you're watching people getting like like torn apart, and you know, yeah. so it's like I, I don't I don't know what they're what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, the 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 Shindo Godzilla scene is great. The fights are phenomenal. Godzilla himself just rampaging downtown is 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 great because uh, yeah. just partially because the model work in this movie is pretty exceptional. Yep, yep. I think they they took a lot of the lessons from the previous two Heisei movies and kind of ratcheted them up. Um, like I said, I, I think they bit off a lot more than they could chew in some of the scenes. But, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, oh. Speaking of scenes that I loved, th- this briefly happens in the Return of Godzilla, but it happens much more consistently here. Is when Godzilla is stomping around a main street, his foot goes right through it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was very. Very impressed by that because that is something that I mean, even as far We've back about as <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, it is something that they showed briefly in Godzilla raids again, you know, when he floods mm-hmm. that that subway, but that would be happening all over the place. Godzilla would just be sinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I enjoyed seeing crowd. that. And because like in Godzilla, um, they're talking Godzilla. It makes him look a little bit more of like a drunk toddler, which is a, a <laughs> image I use a lot in this in this show. But let's, yeah, uh, uh, and, and an image that I will use next week too. <laughs> let's. But uh, I, I appreciated that 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 forethought, like because this time he's it, not just like near a train station. It's like oh, this would be very thin for him because there's a subway right underneath it, and his foot <laughs> just goes right through the street. And yeah, they do supercharge Godzilla in this movie a little bit. You know, when they when he comes back the second time, I think he gains. Um, yeah, they say they say they say he's 20, he's, 30 meters. Yeah, they say he's bigger and meaner and more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So way to go on bringing back Godzilla. <laughs> How many times does Tokyo need to get destroyed before you're like, you know what? Maybe we just let him in the past. Let, let's talk about our our rating for this film. For my personal enjoyment, it did, like I said, fail to grip me in the first half, maybe the first two thirds even. And I like it for kind of how cheesy and silly and showy some of the the first two thirds of the movie is. But yeah, like you said, I feel like we don't get enough out of the characters. There are so many characters in the movie, too. And not enough of the kaiju early on. So no, I mean, this is a very Godzilla light film. It's so funny because it is so similar in a lot of ways to Invasion of Astro Monster, besides, you know, the featuring Zillions kind of um, crossover, but they, they both have the same flaws. And that movie is a lot more enjoyable because it, it really does give you these great characters that you do want to watch. And 
not that much Godzilla dancing. Yeah, well, there's not that much Godzilla at all in that film. If you remember, it was like, no, no, I mean, it's a Godzilla. But but the Godzilla that you do have is extremely memorable. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Looms large. You also have other monsters in that movie, too. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I got to the last 30 minutes of this film. I remembered why I love it so much. If it was just the last 30 minutes of the movie, this would be a 10 out of 10 for me. The first two thirds is more like a seven out of 10. So it does bring up my enjoyment for the entire film up a little bit. Uh, I'm giving this one eight out of 10. So I love kitschy sci-fi. I love, despite the fact that these characters don't really exist on the screen in any, any particular fashion outside of maybe your writer and Emmy. This movie's just a super, super fun watch. And, And in terms of personal enjoyment, like you get some really goofy, Leave your, I mean, leave your brain at the door for this one. There, there is no <laughs> thinking required because if you try, you will get hurt. You and, your brain. <laughs> yeah, but but in terms of like, okay, we got some kitschy science fiction. We have some great kaiju battles. Um, we've got some phenomenal monster designs. Godzilla looks great here. You get you get time travel. We get to go have some World War II stuff. Like, it, I mean, this is a kitchen sink movie and. Uh, overall, like in terms of personal enjoyment, extremely satisfying for me in this terms of enjoyment. That's a nine out of 10, baby. Oh, even even higher. Than me. Yeah, I was kind of surprised here. Trust me that that trend does not stay. But I, I think this is a, a very enjoyable watch uh, on the surface level. So if you if you watch this movie, you will likely have a good time. Well, what about your your technical aspect, your, you, you know, you, you, you've cited some problems with the <laughs> the script, but yeah, some the, it, other it elements sinks a little bit here. So outside of the wonky camera stuff, when Ghidorah is laying his attack, the special effects overall are pretty great. This script sucks. Like this script <laughs> is a bad script. The characters borderline do not exist. There are some really wacky uh, revelations that don't make sense because of the way the characters are coded throughout the film. And and even if they were done that on purpose for us, for a stinger that affects no one of like, oh, it's my grandpa. (laughs) It's awful. It is a awful, awful script. And they should be ashamed of it. Well, it's just, um, it's just cobbled together and then you staple Godzilla and, and Ghidorah to the top of it, you know? <laughs> it it absolutely sinks this movie for me in 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 the overall dropping this to a 6 out of 10. Wow, that's that's really I intense. I, tr- I truly think this is a Miles. terrible script. Miles. <laughs> but the the technic- other technical aspects But the so other good. no, the other technical that's how bad I it's I so think the good. script is well, um, that, that, but the other technical aspects are great. I, I could be convinced to bring this up to a seven, to be honest, because you're right. Well, you, you, you know what? You are right. The the <laughs> it, it's the funny, technical aspects, the sets are incredible. And it, on our like ranking scale, both six and seven for the technical is interesting concept and execution, which, you know, I, I agree with you there. I, I think it, it's maybe just a, a little I better. Just, for I me. just think the script is bad. I, I like know. I and that's not just bad. I think it's real bad. It it's saved by everything else. Like mm. you have a, a a solid concept that I mean it just coasts on. Everything else kind of sucks. Um, you have some golden moments, but the, everything tying it together just isn't there. And and I I really have to dock it for that because it needs to be it needs to be stated how how much I dislike the script. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. 
that I mean, the, the points that I'm knocking off are mostly for the script and but it's also like pacing issues and in the same way that Return of Godzilla kind of had pacing issues and, and didn't use the time it had to build up those those characters. But like I said, I think it very much course corrects in the the second half and the the end of the film and Akira Ifukube back. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he declined. Oh, to work. There, there is a lot to love in this movie. Don't yeah. don't get me wrong. He declined to work on versus by Lante and they still sampled and used some of his old music. So his his daughter pointed out that, you know, they're going to be reworking your themes. You might as well, you know, reworking them into like a modern style with the, the BioWars track on, on Biolante. You might as well just do it yourself. And she encouraged him to to get back into the the franchise, which what a masterstroke. What a what a, what an awesome mm-hmm. daughter. Um besides the amazing musical score, I really do think the special effects in the second half uh make up for for most of it. Like I said, how they got so much emotion out of the animatronics for Godzilla's face and that that face off with Shindo, I don't I don't understand. It is amazing to watch and some of my favorite um pseudomation of the 1990s. That being said though, like I said, those early daylight fights are are pretty pretty rough and do feel like if they're not out of the 1970s champion series you know, the 1980s, it, like I said, a little grainy early on. Uh, yeah. I'm, gi- I'm giving it an eight out of 10 still. I think that's I'm sorry. What what was your uh, score, Miles? Stick going with six. Stick, stick <laughs> with six. <laughs> I don't right. know. I feel bad because everything else is really solid. But like, but that's fine. I- I got I got to stand solid in my dislike of this script. <laughs> well, I th- I think maybe we'll we'll meet in the middle here. <laughs> uh, actually, no, I think I'm I'm going to be higher than you because for for the evocative nature, where this stands, a uh, piece of evocative art in the kaiju canon. I'm giving this movie top marks, and even though it's not my favorite, this film and the antagonistic monster are really the cream of the crop for a lot of kaiju fans. Um, the the very much over the top time traveling plot is is both hammy but kind of familiar to the the overall series and I think helps influence all the other Heisei movies after this. You know, we get the return of the the, the Mothra and the little cuties and uh, and a lot of the other Showa silliness. But yeah, I think we have this movie to thank. Unfortunately, not versus Biolante for the continuing success and why they're going to make another Godzilla movie every year after this until the end of the Heisei series. Uh, so yeah, very much a, a turning point in the Heisei series, but also all of Kaiju cinema as this helps kind of set up the nineties to be the, the powerhouse for Kaiju that it is. So mm-hmm. can't give it anything uh, less than perfection here. Uh, 10 out of 10 on its evocative nature. I, I certainly don't disagree entirely with everything you were saying. I think this is a is a, a fantastic entry. It's certainly the showiness of it, for better or for worse, is here to stay for a couple entries. And it does help cultivate the popularity of Godzilla, which, I mean, this era helps cultivate the staying power of kaiju cinema. Because, I mean, these films are are what, what we're going to be looking to, especially after the Millennium Era, like at where we recognize what a golden age this is, this this is kind of the signal post. And uh, despite the fact that, you know, people now know that Bialante is the excellent film that it is, 
this is what kind of helps keep this franchise alive, like you said. And I mean, you've got a lot of classic tropes here. It it mines so many little things, even though it doesn't piece it together well, from kaiju cinema. And that can't be ignored. This this like I said, this is a movie I have problems with, but its importance is is pretty high. I'm not going as high as you because of some of the problems I have with the movie, mm-hmm. but I am giving it a respectable eight out of 10. I think this is definitely an important film. Um, it certainly gets us to the next one, but I feel like the other ones that stay in this era with current monsters are more important, but I certainly am giving this one solid marks for its evocative nature. Awesome. So that puts you at a like a 7.6. I'm at like an 8.6. And we're meeting kind of in the middle at the final podcast score for this movie, which is an 8 out of 10, which is pretty Perfectly much happy with that. exactly where I expected this to be. I don't think it's going to end up as, as high as versus Biolante. I don't think it's going to be the lowest of the low of the, the Heisei series. Um, right now, I think it's just tying with... Return of Godzilla. And uh, it, it might be. I don't know. I, I don't have good uh, <laughs> good memories of Birds of Space Godzilla. I, I'll have to see it. With, oh, man. With so fresh eyes. We, 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 we might be, be flip flopping roles there because I, <laughs> I, have, I have very fond memories of that movie. So I'm excited to go back to it. If you, if you want I, another I've always very loved his like, chonkous design. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So well, where can people find us? Eight out of ten. Oh, oh, you can email us at kaiju versus history at gmail.com. I guess if you want us to to talk to you about kaiju stuff, you can find us on socials at this point. And if you want us to come on your podcast to talk about kaiju yeah. stuff, apparently we are gonna do that too. <laughs> uh Twitter threads and blue sky, kaiju versus history at kaiju versus history dot com as well. And we have a letterboxed. Where, uh, where you can see all of our, our reviews in five star format and yeah, reach out um, comments, like share with your friends, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you'll find Kaiju versus history miles. What are we going to look at next week? Oh boy. So this was name checked as a threat when we did the amazing colossal man <laughs> and it has turned into a beautiful reality. Uh, so thank you this week, Patrick, and thank you listeners. And we'll catch you next time. When it's time for a nap with your giant stuffed bunny, we are returning to the United States for a send-up of the 1950s giant man, 50-foot-tall woman films in an unshrunk sequel that is certain to bring up nostalgic memories. That's right. Tune in next time for History vs. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. <laughs> <laughs>